Welcome to another episode of the Formation Podcast. Uh, as always, I'm George, and today I'm joined by Harry, Sam, and Devon. And we really have mastered that little <laughs> row. five episodes, in, haven't we? Um, this is episode five of the podcast, and we've got a lot to discuss today. Um, there's been some more Bundesliga action, which we should probably get into. There's a bit more news on the Premier League. We've got some transfer rumours as well, as well as a managerial change, which is set to take place in the coming days. But first, you might have seen earlier this week, we did a special preview for Der Klassiker. Borussia Dortmund took on Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga, a big game at the top of the table. We were all excited for it, expecting a real spectacle. Expecting a spectacle, what a choice of words that is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sam, do you think it lived up to the expectation? Um, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Obviously, I was expecting more goals, but it's what it is. You know, They've both got great attacks, but they've both got great defensive lines at the same time. There was a lot of obviously plot lines that still came from it with the the VAR Erling Haaland having one of his worst games, one of his slower games that he's had in such an amazing young career so far. And obviously Dortmund well on their way to capturing that 30th Bundesliga title, which is an eighth in a row, which is just immense. We should mention as well, you said not many goals. We haven't mentioned the result yet. It finished 1-0 to Bayern. Um, they're the first team this season, I believe, to stop Dortmund scoring at home. Um, and it was Kimmich's goal, which was the difference. Harry, that goal was worthy of winning any game, wasn't it? That's another cliche. I'm sorry. Ellen's going to have you, George. <laughs> Especially from a defensive midfielder as well. And, the, you know, the ego to try chip from there when the keeper's only a couple of feet off his line. People might be saying the goalkeeper may have been able to do it better because there's no power on the shot. Like he, he would have struggled to push it over the bar because there wasn't enough power to then bounce off his club and flick it over. So maybe a better goalkeeper, if he was in a better position, could have done well. But yeah, it's focusing on just the goal, the attempts, the execution. It was all, all worth, are worth a match-winning goal, really. I think with Berkey, we're just a, like you've said, it, it was just the quality of the shot. Uh, it was so unexpected as well. And as a goalkeeper, you need, you've got that reaction time to think, oh my God, he's tried it. And then you realise Burke is too far off his line and he's, he's, he's scrambling from the uh, the off. And even if he were, for a couple of, he'd be able to generate the power to push it over if he was a couple of inches back. But because he's already scrambling and he's falling as he's pushed himself, it, it, it were never going uh, to go over the bar, and even if he did get his hand to it. I think Kimmich, on, I think Kimmich mentioned after the game that, that they pointed out that Berkey likes to stand off his line a lot, even when the ball's even when the ball's in play close to him. So I think Kimmich is very smart and aware to see that. And Owen Hargreaves, to his credit, put it well. He said that he didn't think any other CDM in world football would try something like that, and it's it's probably true. It shows it's a testament to the confidence confidence in, in Kimmich's ability that he has. 
I think it's that goal that epitomises the confidence that uh, that Bayern had against Dortmund. You saw in the first 15 minutes, it was high intensity from Dortmund. They went really at Bayern, expecting, you know, they could have, they could have got one or two, you never know, um, with a bit more composure from Haaland. But um, I think it's that the level that they knew that they were going to come at them. If they survived that first 15 minutes, they probably would go on to win it. Um, you just look at the stature of the players, is that every single one of them is like, been moulded into a born winner in that league and they were after that first 15 minutes it seemed just inevitable that uh, that Bayern were going to score. Uh, there were a couple of moments, we mentioned that Berkey didn't save it but one good save from jo- Jerome Boateng from uh, Erling Haaland. Uh, that, <laughs> I, I've got no idea how that didn't go to VAR. I agree, it was fairly baffling wasn't it? In the referee's defence, I'm, I'm not trying to excuse it I don't think anyone thought it was handball um, when the shot originally went in. But when they've got access to those replays, and it was pretty clear, if you haven't watched it, Boateng was on the floor, moved his arm towards the ball. It was kind of his elbow, wasn't it? But it was this. this it was, it was very much away. Um, very much away from his body. So, yeah, definitely a natural movement. So I don't, again, I don't see why that wasn't. Looked at at all. I think the only excuse he might have is because he's twisting his body. If if he tries to move his arm out of the way, he's literally going to land on the floor like that. So what he's trying to do is keep himself upright and go like that. That's the, I think it should have been a penalty because he's quite clearly blocked the ball. But from I try to look from the VAR sort of referee perspective, and the only reason why I think they haven't given it is because otherwise he'd have landed quite an odd way if he just put his hands behind his back and just let himself fall to try and block the ball. That sounds like a Domin- uh, Dominic coming to say it was for why he did it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I totally disagree. I think even if it had felt like with his arms behind his back, it had been natural and it had been, especially as a footballer, you know you've got to keep your arms in tight, especially when something like that's going to happen. And uh, Phil, but with- Phil Jones. Phil Jones now has to make it look natural. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, the beautiful uh, features on his face as a ball comes hurdling towards him uh, is some else. But again, this probably confirms the kind of study that we have uh, of seeing of the end of the home advantage. Um, obviously, Dortmund weren't backed by the yellow wall as they normally would. And it seemed to calm Bayern down, sort of like they've already mentally blocked their um, th- that sound out. And they just allowed them to play their own game. And I suppose when you can actually hear players, you know, like at Sunday League level, one to another, it makes that movement and the uh, the game plan easier to uh, pass around. Oh, yeah, it, de- it definitely had an impact, I think, because in huge games like that, you'll see it every time. Fans will try and just get on top of the opposition. They'll boo their every touch. You know, Bayern have got one or two ex um ex-Dortmund players in their ranks so they might try and um, intimidate them of course they might so yeah without that I think they definitely suffered what we should say as well that now extends Bayern's lead at the top to seven points is the title race over Sam? Uh, Yeah I think so we have to give a lot of credit to Hansi Flick obviously who's taken the reins at Bayern Munich he took the reins at Bayern Munich in November after a tumultuous end to Nico Kovac's reign, obviously they lost 5-1 to Frankfurt and then he was sacked. They were four points off the pace. But now in 24 games under 
flick. They've won 21 of them, scored 75 and conceded just 16. So it's a testament to how he's turned things around there. Got the belief back in this team that's won seven titles in a row and is very much on its way to its eighth. Anything else to add on that game, guys? The, the only thing that I would say is Dortmund weren't allowed to play their normal game because of the advantage that Bayern has in the league. And what I mean by that is that sort of Bayern are in the driving seat, <laughs> so Dortmund had to come to play to them rather than the other way around because Dortmund needs the points and Bayern Munich, you know, they could have taken a point and they still would have been four points clear. So I think that's quite a big reason why both teams were quite cautious because if one team made a mistake, that either let Bayern back into the... That would win Bayern the title or it would let Dortmund back into the title race sort of thing. So I think that but I think Bayern played their cards very well against Dortmund. I'd also like to mention when we did the preview, uh, we, we focused a lot of emphasis on Haaland and Lewandowski. <laughs> one of them was woeful, the other one was very quiet. And um, But the big talking point from that preview was whether Sancho would have started and even though when he came on he didn't really make an impact and uh, Dortmund really seemed to have burnt out by then uh, I think that that game against uh, Wolfsburg really probably took the wind out of him um, and it showed in that second half just because you know that extra 10% they weren't putting that in and they already looked they looked like they'd resigned to a defeat um, in, on, on the 50th minute mark for some reason but um, but do you think Sancho starting may have, with a point to prove especially, um, aided Dortmund's first 15 minutes? And as well, do you think the absence of Emir Chan or Witzel in midfield alongside Delaney or De Hood was also um, a component in Bayern cutting through that midfield half of the time? I think it was purely a fitness thing with Sancho. I think Lucien Favre said he'd only been training with the team 10 days prior to the game. So I think it was purely down to fitness. I don't think Favre was 100% certain that Sancho would be able to see out maybe a full 90 minutes to the top of his game. So I think I don't think it would have made too much of a difference if he started the game. To be honest, I think with the uh, with the midfield issue you mentioned as well, I think Chan came on at half time, didn't he? And I don't think I don't think Dortmund looked necessarily weak in midfield in the first half I think there was some really um some really tenacious football being played and I don't think they I think they were lacking in that area but Bayern just had a bit more cutting edge as we mentioned um if we move on another team who were kind of had slim hopes of a title push and had been in really good form by Leverkusen on Tuesday night they played Wolfsburg and they lost 4-1 at home. Harry, did anyone see this collapse coming? Well, I, I said that I liked Wolfsburg, but I didn't like them that much. <laughs> I, I thought they I thought they might cause a good result here or there. But four, I was looking at my phone when they're 3-0 up, but I was, I was in shock, to be honest with you, because how good Leverkusen have been, especially with DRB. Derrima Baye's had a good season, as well as Kai Havertz. And all of them just sort of... They, did, they didn't really do anything. I, th- I think they had nine shots in the entire game. They they weren't their their usual self. And Wolfsburg, to their credit, were able to counter that and got four goals without replying until the 85th minute. Yeah, when I when I watched the highlights, it was clear how Wolfsburg got the goals. There was just so many gaps open up, 
opening up every time in Leverkusen's uh, defence, especially at set pieces of the two-headed goals from the centre-back. I can't quite remember his name, but you got two from very similar sort of free kicks, first on the right-hand side in the first half and then from the right-hand side again in the second half, whipping into the box. And it was, it was unmarked to both of them. There's so many gaps opening up, which is very surprising to see a team like Leverkusen who've been so solid, especially after the restart. Uh, I think the player that you're referring to is, uh, I'm going to pr- try and pronounce it, oh. <laughs> Frank Grasic, uh, <laughs> who, who commanded headers, but like you said, there was no one around him to even put him off. Another one, five foot six, Renato Stefan as well at the back post. That were just yeah. how how Bale, easy Bayer Leverkusen were cut uh, through in each of the even the Arnold free kick, even though it was a deflection and um, there's, there's not much you can do when it happens like that. They just seemed like they had, again, resigned to defeat as soon as they went 1-0 down. It just they were, They clearly seen the uh, the faults that Leverkusen had had in the last two games. And don't get me wrong, the last two games have been phenomenal with you know some of the players and Kai Havertz. And they really limited... Um, them sort of players getting on the ball and expressing themselves and it, it, it took a defensive midfielder to actually break uh, Wolfsburg and it was just like a, a snatching grab then and game were already gone, obviously with only five minutes left. Um, but yeah, Leverkusen are a good team, they just need to probably focus more on the defence going forward unless they lose um, key players going forward. So that was their first defeat since February the 1st, Leverkusen. Do you think they can beat Munchen Glad back to fourth spot. Do you think that one might go go far until the end of the season? Um, I think Gladbad looks strong as well. Um, there's a lot of good good teams. Um, it, it it just depends how many. Uh, I can't put my finger on it. It's just so unpredictable at the minute. Teams are right. getting results when they shouldn't get results, or t- like we thought. We coming into this, we thought Schalke were going to put up more of a fight, and they've lost all, all three of their games. And Wagner's, you know, coming to question. Um, but I, I think it's certainly going to be a good fight between them. Uh, even Dortmund might get dragged back into it because of that defeat, and if that knocks their confidence and follow yeah. it up. But I mean, they've got Paderborn, which could be an easy, not an easy game, but a good game to bounce back from. Like say, you could throw Dortmund into that mix. There's only four points separating them and Leverkusen in fifth. So I think that's the race to to look out for now. The title race pretty much gone. There's a couple of very good teams in there that are vying for those spots. And Leipzig too, of course, on Wednesday night, they drew 2-2 with Hertha Berlin. Um, Hertha Berlin did go into it in good form, having won their previous two, but Leipzig have drawn their last two at home. Will they be disappointed with last night's result? I think it was a good game between two good sides. Um, I think Herfer will be happy because they contained, again, contained them key players. Werner, um, as soon as he got on the ball, people were closing him down, making sure that he was limited to his, you know, his, his kind of free attacking role that he likes to, you know, move from either wing whilst being in, uh, through in the middle. But, um, I think it were a game of a few mistakes, really, um, that led to goals. Uh, but I, I, I think if Herford would have scored a little bit earlier, then they might have gone on to win it, especially with the 
their one man advantage. But I think it were overall quite a very good, uh, quite a good game to watch. Obviously, you mentioned the lack of a home advantage during this restart, but drawing at home has been a been a problem for Leipzig even before the restart. I think that was their tenth draw of the season, the fourth or fifth, third or fourth in a row at home. So it's been a big problem for them, maybe trying to break down the smaller teams at home. You mentioned mistakes, Devon. Um, Leipzig's second goal. The ball slipped through the hands of Rune Jarstein in the Berlin net. Um, did it remind any of you of a Sunday league sort of mistake? Because it definitely did to me. Harry, what did you make of it? <laughs> I had to watch it a few times. So I didn't know if he sort of saved it into his net or then he saved it and accidentally punched it. It was... It was an odd one. Don't get me wrong. If I if I scored that or cancelled own goal, but if I took the shot, I'd certainly be claiming it. <laughs> but it's at that, at that point, you probably thought, "Well, Leipzig have got this," and somehow, once again, they they've not been able to get the win. And that's that's sort of the problem that I had, or that's the concern that I had at the start when when we started that the teams below Bayern Bayern Munich was faulted to these inconsistencies. And don't get me wrong, Dortmund's lost to a better team in Bayern Munich, so they can't really pin them on it. But the teams like Leipzig, the teams like Leverkusen, they can't keep up because they will lose against teams either around them or below them, whereas Bayern Munich just, whatever whatever it is, however it is, like all the wins so far that they've had since the return, they've not been pretty. Well, at least the first and the third one haven't been pretty, but they just get the job done. I was, I was Rob Green against USA popped to my mind just now when thinking that goalkeeper mistake again. I'm, I'm just thinking about the amount of cock-ups that I've had at Sunday League level. <laughs> uh, it's um, you know, it, it's about preparation. I think goalkeepers have missed that kind of um, one-on-one and play because obviously you've got first team keeper then you've normally got a youth keeper joining by a reserve keeper and you're in that kind of four or five um like position where you've close contact training and because they've not had that over a prolonged time i think it's it, it has affected a lot of the goalkeepers because we've seen a lot of mistakes in the last uh well two weeks um which you know when we get onto the premier league later and uh championship if they come back we might potentially see goalkeepers um, producing these kind of mistakes, if uh, unless you know contact training is allowed to um, continue for a, lot, a, a longer time, but obviously we'll get onto that in a bit. Um, we should probably mention before we move on, Schalke, Devon. You already touched on them. Um, three defeats on the spin since um, since returning from the lockdown period, and is it is it nine without a win in total? If we they're go only, further, they've only won once in 2020. Yeah, that is, it's really not going well. On Saturday, they play Werder Bremen at home, who have the last couple of games, they've looked maybe a little bit stronger. But will this game be kind of the last chance saloon for David Wagner? Yeah, I think you get a sense of um, his team and style in that last, you know, in his last few matches at Huddersfield, uh, a team, you know, deprived of confidence, a team that doesn't look like they could, you know, even buy a win. And even though they went one nil up, I think it, it, they kind of they were like a kid in a in a, a sweet shop. They were too giddy and they're like, oh, we scored, uh, and then, but before they knew it, they've uh, Dusseldorf have already got back into it, and then obviously 
done the most uh, Daniel Varga thing, which is letting them back in, you know, very quickly. Um, there were only five minutes between both goals, and then Schalke have slipped to another defeat. Um, I think next season we'll see a few changes. Like I think I don't think Wagner will survive. Uh, Lucien Favre's contract may not get um, renewed, and I think uh, as a result, it's not a good time in the the circumstances now. But we're getting a true reflection of some of the teams and the management skills that um, that are in place. Um, other games on the weekend, which are probably worthy of a mention, you already said Dortmund are going to Paderborn on Sunday afternoon. Uh, they'll have to deal with Dennis Sabaney there, who scored a lovely goal. <laughs> on the um, so you'd expect them to win that game. Bayern as well, they play Dusseldorf at home. Um, surely they'll take another step towards their title there, do you think? Yeah, I think yeah. if Dort if Dortmund were to win, I think a team like Dusseldorf is a perfect um, bounce back for Bayern. If they had if they had someone like Leipzig next, and Dortmund did beat them, then it'd really ramp up the pressure on. Um, but I think uh, even if Dortmund did win, I think Bayern would continue their dominance. Their dominance, especially we, you know, we were talking about is it Leverkusen? They've got in a few weeks, mm. but we're afraid. Yeah. Weekend. So, if a team uh, as good as Wolfsburg are, if they're coming up and play against Bayern the way they play against Wolfsburg, they're going to get absolutely smashed. So, uh, I think I think Bayern would have gone on to win anyway. So, we should probably move on now to the return of football, where well, we hope the return of football in this country. Um, we've seen various sort of things going around about the Premier League and the Championship over the last week or so. But yesterday, there was another relatively significant announcement. Uh, the Premier League and its 22 clubs had a vote on the return of contact training. It was unanimous, so contact training is to resume. Um, Harry, we're just waiting for the confirmed date now, aren't we? And then we can get going again. Oh, yes. Teams decided refunding season tickets. Troy Deeney said he's going to go back to training. It's all getting closer and closer to returning. And what's really interesting is, will that home and away advantage actually, will, will, will there be a home and away advantage? There's a little, uh, we've not mentioned the little stumbling block that even though, you know, 1,008 players and staff would, and uh, four more individuals have... Uh, tested positive from three sides which is that it's always that question of whenever something little happens like that even though statistically it's a very good percentage that have been tested positive and you know they might not even show symptoms it's just a case of isolating which for their fitness is putting it on the bike burner but for the health and safety of the group and themselves is a is is needed um but i think whenever if this becomes more than if it gets into double figures and starts really you know duplicating in numbers i think that's when again the premier league is going to have to say <clears throat> that's it that we won't be returning till next season um and then all sorts of lawsuits will start getting thrown about everyone will sue <laughs> um just depending on whatever but uh whatever outcome but i think trying to restart the premier league is probably the best uh, and fairest uh, outcome. 
Do you there's think been a few... still... oh, I was going to say, do you think if there's still, say, four every 800 every single week, do you still think the Premier League will return? Or do you think they'll go, no, we're going to wait till it's one or two every 800 tests? Because at the moment, there's only 10 or 12 out of the, I think it's 2,700-ish that they've done, which is still a very, very low percentage. As long as, long as it's not a sign of a spread in one team, then I don't think it'll be a problem. Like you say, it's a very small percentage of tests that have come back positive. 99.5% of results have been negative from the ones that they've tested so far. So it's, you know, it's, they're still being cautiously positive, but it's still very encouraging to see that there's not been a huge spread within one team. If it, if it gets to that point, obviously it will, it will become a problem, but I think we're, we're on the way to seeing the Premier League return. I think as well you have to look at the <clears throat> as well as the sport news you have to look at the normal news and they've been you know there's that many different um, theories and how you get it and you know they've said that you have to be in close contact for a number of uh, minutes to, to, in order to pass on the virus completely or have a higher dosage so that meaning like if they are marking from corners it shouldn't be too bad as long as they don't you know put they touch them and then put the you know, think rub their eyes or put it in the mouth. Um, but you know, <laughs> um, it's it's still still a positive, <laughs> still a positive one. They've said um, players will train as groups and engage in tackling whilst minimising unnecessary close contact. Which, again, it's a big step towards that uh, if, that start date. If Troy Deeney, who was clearly very worried about the health of his son at the start of all this has been convinced to return to training. I think we can be confident that the conditions that they're training in are very safe. So yeah, I'm happy with I'm happy with the players to return. I'm happy to see the, uh, that the Premier League are finally taking steps towards returning. I say I think as soon as we get to the stage where you can have eleven versus eleven, that's when we can really get giddy on this podcast <laughs> and start, start preparing yeah. for it. Something we could um also maybe get giddy for is there was a potential schedule going around on Twitter yesterday. I don't know if you saw it, of yep. how the games might go ahead. They were saying there's going to be five games on the Saturday. It'll be one at 12, one at two, one at four, one at six, one at eight, all oh, at different goodness. times. And then they'll repeat it on the Sunday. Can can we watch five games in one day? Will that get boring or not? I've been deprived. <laughs> I think the thing is, is that we've, We've done this at World Cups and, you know, watching just three games a day. So this is just going to be perfect. I think this is a, a broadcaster's dream to have all Premier League games on telly <laughs> at the selected times. I, I watched I watched Egypt versus Saudi Arabia <laughs> as one of like the third of four games in a day during the 2018 I, World Cup. So I'm, I'm not bothered. I remember watching my um, our own media uh, at college and I was watching, I think it was Uruguay versus Egypt and I had the split screen of my work and the game and my <laughs> team was helping me and we were just watching the game for, the, for it. I barely got any work done. <laughs> but yeah, this is, this is, for football fans, it's just too exciting. Uh, but again, there's been more positive in the Football League as well. Uh, 1,014 tests this time and... Uh, Two positive cases came out of that. However, it just popped up uh, from one journalist who covers uh, uh, Sheffield Wednesday for the Sheffield Star, Alex Miller. He said three more EFL players and staff have been tested positive for COVID-19 this week from two different clubs. Um, 
1,030 people were tested between the 25th and 27th of May. And positive for me, it, he understands that no Sheffield Wednesday players have tested positive. Um, so not 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 a big step back, but in total, that is, if my maths concern me, is fine. How many times, how many times did you use the word positive in that sentence? <laughs> Can I say positive? <laughs> we, um, that's a nice little link you make there, Devon, to the... EFL, we thought there was a meeting going on yesterday between the clubs. Maybe there was, maybe there wasn't. We haven't heard anything out of it yet, but there was an interesting piece of news related to the EFL yesterday. Um, Nathan Jones is being linked with going back to Luton Town. John Percy from The Telegraph is saying it's very close. If you don't recognise the name Nathan Jones, he was at Luton Town before as manager, he won promotion for them from League One. No, from League Two to League One. Then he started League One pretty well before leaving for Stoke 16 months ago. It all went wrong at Stoke. Um, he was sacked there last November. Um, how do we feel? He's potentially going back. Devon, what do you think? I don't. I don't like the concept sometimes of old managers going back for a second hurrah tell me about it um, <laughs> Russell Slade being one of them um, but I think I think it's probably inevitable that Luton are going to drop um, based on form and you know they, they can't seem to they, they'll get a, a good win what somewhere and then they'll follow that up with four defeats um, I think if, if the terms of rebuild and he can you know he gets a chance in League One to continue his progress from that stage then it could be a good fit but again there's an error of uh, especially with some players is is if we're doing well is it going to again leave us and go to a different club and I think there's going to be that kind of the uh, atmosphere around the club still going to be that well he could just you know leave us again. Harry how do you think the uh, the Luton fans will be feeling about this because he he kind of betrayed them to go to Stoke. He thought it was a bigger club, maybe, and now he's coming back because they got rid of him. Thing is, I, I don't know how they they feel. So I'm not a loose fan, but if I was them, I think time certainly heals a lot of things. And uh, I was going to take it sort of from a Southampton perspective. And when Cooman left, we were like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever. We're noise. We don't like you. But sort of time hit, time goes by, and I wouldn't take him now. But if we had Mark Hughes in charge, I'd be like, "Come, please, <laughs> quick as you can." So, to be fair, if I if I was them, all all he's done for them at the moment, although he left to go to a bigger club, is good times. And I think they still got a, a similar crop of players there that played well under him. So they're, they're proven under his management, and I, I just want him, even if it is for a short period and he goes off again, which I don't think will happen because I think he knows maybe that loosens his level. That might be harsh, but if he's gone to Stoke and he's not done so well, maybe because it's a bigger, le higher level of players, bigger egos, I'm not too sure. But I think, you know, he'll be, he'll go there and I think he'll do well. And I think the Luton fans, if not on the first day, after one month, two months, three months, if it's going well, forget all about the past and go, yes, he's our manager. And I think this time he's here to stay. I don't think Luton are in the Luton fans are in the position to hold grudges at the moment with the position that they're in in the championship. <laughs> they're obviously second from bottom. They could they could still stay up. I mean the six points off hole who are in absolutely catastrophic form. Well before before the suspension obviously. 
so there's still a chance you know maybe if they if they get that sort of new manager bounce from Jones once again that they could stay up I don't think it's, you know he's I guess he was showing a little bit of ambition by going to Stoke in the first place it didn't work out why can't he get a second shot losing it might be a case of you know normally you have that new manager bounce but it just depends on the type of because you got to think, there's not a massive turnaround in time uh, if we're trying to get the season to start in a few weeks. Is he going to have enough time to be able to implement anything? I suppose you've got that element of yeah. Graham Jones' brother taking over anyway, and it's probably still a similar system, similar lineup. You know, not much will change. Um, it, it, it's it's weird. I'll I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, we'll be. Interesting to see. Um, Luton, of course, a lot is said about how Kenilworth Road is an old ground. How will they fare there without any fans? It's difficult to know, isn't it? But uh, maybe think, they'll survive. I don't personally think they will. I think people around the houses could just open the windows and shout for it. You know? <laughs> Very good point. I think we've seen from the Bundesliga, it doesn't really matter what your ground looks like. Home advantage doesn't. There isn't one at the moment. What yeah. is it? Three yeah. home wins in the Bundesliga. Yeah, yeah I think there might uh, couple sorry. last so, night. I don't know. But um, yeah, maybe maybe a, a ground like Canover Road would be more intimidating just due to even with nobody in there, it's still you know not the pizzazz of some stadiums and. Um, you know, especially the newer ones. That's why, you know, grounds like Oakwell and Hillsborough have a bit more character in Kenilworth Road as well, whereas instead of the the domes uh, that you get nowadays. Um, if we move on now to the next section of this week's podcast, um, we have liked to, in the past, talk about a few transfer rumours which are going around. We've got a few which we can discuss this week. Um the Manchester Evening News have reported recently that Igalo, Odion Igalo, is very keen to stay at Man United. Of course, he was there on loan, um, joined in January. Um, do we think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer should maybe be looking for someone more proven than him? Um, he had a fairly positive impact in his mere few games that he played in. Um, but I think the key for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to be the um, the younger players that uh, that will drive Man United for a few years rather than getting the old experienced players like Igalo. <clears throat> so I think <clears throat> if, if they could get him cheaper on a lower wages, then it might be good for a few years and he might, might be able to shape someone like Mason Greenwood to fill in that role pretty easily and you know a little bit of experience and a little bit of uh, mentor, uh, mentorship that can get him into that role but I, if I were Ole I'd be looking elsewhere I think they're still viewing him merely as a, a backup to Rashford obviously Ole is clearly very committed to playing that front front and centre role for the, and leading the line for Manchester United for many years to come so I think he's like Devon said he did a decent job coming off the bench in the short time that he was already there. It's obviously a bit of a weird one with Shanghai wanting him to return, even though foreign nationals aren't allowed into the country at China at the moment. So, you, and his and his wages at Shanghai are extortionate, and 
what the, the reports that they've been offering 400,000 grand a week seem it'll be hard for him to turn that down I think but we'll see do you um do you think that with Igalo's rumors really taking a kind of stance uh, you know that they want him back or he wants to stay do you think that kind of differs from what we've been talking about previously with Dembele and Verno or Sancho do you think they might have resigned to the fact that they won't have that much that amount of money or yeah might be too much it'll be it's going to be strange to see how much clubs commit to the transfer window with obviously the current situation but like I said I think I think Ollie's pretty committed to to Rashford as as their front man he was in very good form before his injury, obviously, but he'll be he'll be fit in time for the restart, hopefully. So I think for now they're committed to him as their main man. Obviously, they I think they'd like to have a guy that back as a replacement. But um, we also saw Teddy Sheringham a bit earlier this week. He was on Sky Sports's football show on the morning, um, and he was talking about Harry Kane, and he mentioned how. Maybe his career is at crossroads at the moment. Um, Harry, do you think Jose Mourinho is capable of getting the best out of him through his style or should Kane look elsewhere? I think this has been discussed for a few years, isn't it? Yeah, I think he could get the best out of him, but does getting the best out of him win trophies at a Tottenham size or does getting not the best out of him, but still a good Harry Kane who's somewhere else get him to win trophies if that makes sense I think I think Kane said a few months ago that he will only stay at Tottenham if he knows there's a chance in the future where he can see a future where they're going to win trophies and at the moment unless he's going to go for a Europa League which you know is it is that is that an elite trophy for a, a world-class striker let's be honest it's not so I think you know, he won't go for as much as he used to be because I don't think he's athletic. Athletic. He's still got the physical attributes, but he's not, you know, he's not as good as he used to be, some, some may say, because of the amount of injuries. So, yes, he, they can get the best out of him still, but I think it would be better if he moves on because he needs to win a trophy. Otherwise, a lot of people might see his career as someone that could have done a lot better with the attributes that he has. We have gone. Uh, at one, one uh, point, we were all saying in the preview obviously harry didn't turn up but uh well when we when us when us three were talking we we mentioned that harry kane's play style doesn't really fit many other sides it's mm. it's really it's unique and um play, uh, teams may have to change the way they play to suit him for him to score goals and i think even Mourinho's style at the minute is too direct for him uh, where do you think, if he was to move on, would be um, a good place and a good fit for him? Um, I think Real Madrid is often the club people link him to. Um, maybe Man United as well. I don't know. I, I think if if he went to Man United, they would have they would have someone to rely on again. And I think that's maybe what they've been lacking in recent years. Maybe it's Rashford at the moment, but. Is Rashford good enough to take that on his shoulders? Maybe he will be in a few years. I'm not sure. But I think if Kane goes, Madrid will be the one which appeals to him the most. Yeah, I think Kane's another awkward another awkward one. There's no denying that he's a fantastic striker. Like his goal record is immense. But Tottenham in recent years have really struggled to find someone who can back him up. 
And I think the problem has been that knowing that Kane's there and he's going to start pretty much every game for Spurs when he's fit, a lot of the top strikers have been dissuaded to come to Tottenham. So I think, and I think Kim Son is is good enough to lead lead the team in the scoring. So I think it might be best that if if Harry if Harry Kane's really desperate to win trophies, it might be best for him to move on. You mentioned Real Madrid. This Karim Benzema's hit form again. They've got Luka Jovic, who didn't have much game time last season, wants to break into the team. So he'll be fighting for his place there. But I think every player dreams of going to a team like Madrid. So I think, and they'd be willing. They'd be willing to spend, you know, the big bucks for him. So I think, yeah, probably Madrid. George, will you be tempted for Norwich to get him back on loan? <laughs> <laughs> Not, not on the basis of his performance during the loan spell. <laughs> he really was terrible when he was a Norwich player. Um, we can only dream now. Can't got, we? A bit, got a bit better since then, though. Oh, yeah, well, Just absolutely. Um, from Just 36 goals better. <laughs> he scored a few against us as well. Um, from one striker at a North London club to another... Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has been linked with a move away from Arsenal. Um, Football London have been reporting that there's a potential swap deal with him and Ousmane Dembele, the Barcelona winger. Um, with Arsenal's European status, you know, it's it's at risk at the moment. Do you, do you think Aubameyang would be keen to go, Sam? It's another, it's another contract issue with Arsenal. They seem to get themselves in these in these contract issues with their top players all the time. I think Aubameyang's entering his last year of his contract going into next season. So I think if he doesn't sign a new deal, Arsenal, I think they would take £30 million, £30 million pounds for him. I think that's what was reported by The Sun. And obviously, that's, that's nothing for a team like PSG. So, yeah. I don't think they want him to leave for free, so... Yeah, the I think he's too good to be a free transfer kind of player, isn't he? Uh, he's still prolific, and he is is the wrong side of, of going towards thirty, but um, he he's still got a lot to offer, especially for either PSG or I think he's is he also been linked with Juventus as well. Mm. Um, it just I think Juventus have got a lot of flair. Uh, players and unless you got rid of one of theirs maybe Aubameyang wouldn't see fit there I think PSG needs an Akati, uh, not an Akati, a Cavani replacement as well because I think he's leaving at the end of the season people, a lot of people say it's Miami but if they want a second striker because I think they've put in a bid for a Cardi for about 44 and a half million or something like that you know like like you said 30 million's nothing for PSG and Arsenal if, if I was them I'd be looking to, I wouldn't mind looking to sell you know you talked about him being over the age of 30 his pace is still very good but it will it will decline eventually so for me 30 million pounds of getting a new striker maybe a younger striker through the door I, I wouldn't be too fast with Barang's has been their best player by far though, over the last couple of seasons so I'd yeah, still be, be a bit worried as an Arsenal fan losing losing all those goals. I'd, I mean, I'd rather lose the goals this season than get in for nothing next. That, that's my opinion. Yeah, had a few stagnant years when Robin Van Persie left as well until they got mm. um, Lacazette. Um, and I think that if they are to lose him, they need to find that replacement 
not two two seasons late. They need to get it now. And no, either like for like or a potent goal scorer that's just going to, you know, take the responsibility on his shoulders like Van Persie did, uh, unless he were injured. Um, yeah, uh, but with Cavani leaving, does that mean we're allowed to put Cavani to Newcastle in the title to get our, <laughs> our, South, our Saudi journeys back watching? Everyone under the sun has been linked to Newcastle in the last couple of weeks, even though the takeover has not even happened yet. So. Including one player in particular, Jordan Shakira. What do we think? Yes. I think he'll he'll want to play regularly again. I think the Liverpool, the Liverpool fans have taken to him since going there, and I think they like him as an option off the bench. But do players want to be an option off the bench? You, we saw him at Stoke, how good he could be. In spells, I think when they went down, he went downhill with the fans. He didn't treat them right. But I think if he was given this opportunity, it'd be one he'd be keen to take. Mm. It's been one of them with Shakiri anyway. I think the whole era of the Stoke alone has really damaged the club over a period <laughs> of time. Especially at the time, it was great and it was probably entertaining. Very young. Ibrahim Afalai. Charlie Adam. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's um, I think Shakira's a point at a point is career and it's very short career as we mention a lot of times when talking about players is that he really needs to get first team action now and even though he's you know he's won the Champions League and the Premier League with Liverpool if he could go to Newcastle and that's kind of the players that Newcastle should be looking to the Shakira oh, is good the good players. Indeed. Like that to build a good squad rather than getting the you know the big headline, you know like instead of going for bail for all the players that are the wrong side of thirty uh, that are going to have one or two maybe good seasons. We don't know if it's going to work. Whereas Shakiri's you know tried and tested, and I think he'd fit kind of especially with Newcastle. Uh, it'd be a good replacement for uh, Matt Richer. <laughs> Not so trying to Newcastle level. <laughs> If Newcastle do get this investment, they are they are crying out for players going forward that can cause an ounce of danger. Apart from Alan St. Maximan last season, they had, they had nothing. <laughs> they had nothing going forward. I think a, a defender was their top scorer. Yeah, they need to they certainly need that player up front, which is going to. I mean, even we've mentioned we haven't mentioned like Jolington, where mm. he has had a shocking season. Doesn't doesn't deserve a mention. Yeah, uh, he, he has had a shocking season, but you look at the way that you know Bruce Ball is, and it really does not flatter any any, any sort of striker apart from Dwight mm. Gale, probably. Um, <laughs> it's it's shocking football where Jolington really thrived over um, Hoffenheim's more attacking play, where they actually got balls into the box for him to feed on, and instead of Newcastle limited uh, limiting him to probably two shots a game. At Hoffenheim, he got five, six, and he were able to really uh, take that commanding role up front. Yeah, I think I think they need to spend money. I, if I was a Newcastle fan, I'd rather see an investment in the defence because I think in the last eighteen months they spent seventy million on their attacking three, and I think rather than it being a poor outfit for their attack, I do think, like you said, it's Bruce, it's Bruce Ball where they get better goal scoring out their defence uh, than their attackers. I don't know. I don't know. So when was the last time they spent big money on a defender and? Uh, or really any money on a defender. So for me, they need to improve that defence before they go for the attack. One of the um, key com 
opponents to the Newcastle is that if they did when that if that takeover did go through, which it has seen a little bit of a, it's been a bit quiet and um and there's there's been a little bit of doubt into it unfortunately. But you there's know, always there's always gonna be doubt when Ashley's involved and when Newcastle fans. I think that's more the current climate, but I think one big thing they need to do is get a good director of football or somebody um that'll oversee the transfer business to make sure that they don't just go and throw money everywhere and they actually get signings that they crucially need and to really build a team that um, that's not just one or two stars and just rest are filled in. They need a proper uh, team to be able to challenge. And if if spent right, they could easily drop into that top uh, eight, that top eight conversation. You might have seen, uh, I've got my notepad here ready. It is that it is quiz time. Um, oh. I think I said a couple of weeks back that we'll we'll end kind of this run and these scores on the weekend that the Premier League returns. We don't have a date oh. for that yet, but I think we know that it is going to return. So we've maybe got I don't know four or five more rounds left. It's very tight at the top. I should mention as well. Last week, if you watched. We had a VAR review into one of the questions. Um, my audio wasn't very good um, and I didn't catch all of Sam's answer. After VAR has been consulted, I can confirm Sam did get the answer correct. So I've added his score on. So Harry's at the top of 27, Sam with 26, Devon with 23. That's after 11 rounds. <laughs> Again, this week, it went to a Twitter vote. The options were... Playoff finals last week was when the playoff finals should have been. Um, La Liga, after it was announced that La Liga is set to return, I think it's the 12th of June, and also Premier League title winning managers. It was a convincing win for the playoff finals. It didn't surprise me, to be honest. Everyone loves the playoffs, don't they? Um, 75% of the vote was for the playoff finals. So that is what this week's quiz is on. Are we all set, guys? Yeah. Uh, I'm always ready. I should say, um, you got, we're recording the day after the poll went up. Did any of you do a bit of research? Were you tempted to? Uh, No. (laughs) I think the the only uh, research I've done in terms of playoff finals is crying this morning at the fact it's four years since we went (laughs) Uh, the whole so <laughs> okay question number one this is another game which um actually took place on this day um who scored the only goal in the 2017 to 18 championship playoff final between fulham and aston villa it's one of those games i think if you watched it you definitely know this answer um Devon's confident. That is question number one, and you've all got an answer down, so let's move on. Question number two Who were the winners of the 2018 to 19 League Two playoffs? So that's last year. It's uh, just a year ago. And who did that team beat in the final at Wembley? There are two points available for this one. League Two final last year. Sam's team, Grimsby, of course, in League Two. Can he remember this outcome? This, no. 
this game's been on about 500 times on, on Sky. <laughs> oh, who did they play? <laughs> oh, I think this is, a, this is a fat zero for me, I must say, on the second one. The second one, I can't, I can't think. My mind's blank. Give you a bit more time. I can't think of who got promoted this season. Uh, it's, it's pretty tough, season. I suppose. But um, the fact it was only a year ago, I thought I'd get it in there. To be fair, uh, Harry, is it is it that time where Southampton are you know not 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 remembering the League One days? And got two big <laughs> like, we're, we're two we're two good we're two good. That's the thing. See, I remember the Championship one, or because I, I remember that because I, I know they all played at the same time, but I always watch it because it's on the weekend of my mum's birthday, and she, thankfully she likes football, so she's fine with it being on it. It's always a massive, you know. Well, hey, we can watch it. Whereas the League Two one, it's not as it's not as glamorous, so it's it's not something I. Always keep the, the sharpest eye on. That's opposite yeah. for me. A festival. <laughs> <laughs> Question three: Which two teams contested the first ever Championship player final to be played at the New Wembley? Uh, you've got to, you've got to think, no got to think of the year here. What year would it have been? Um, and there's two points available. Which two teams contested that game? No, and this is this is a pure guess. Is this two that's points quite, as well? That's quite tough, I suppose. Is that is that two points on offer as well? Yeah, that's two points. Yeah. If it, if it is the answer that I've wrote down, do I have permission to put the goal on and celebrate in my front room or not? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to move on to question number four as you guys finish your answers. Um, during the twenty tens, so there were ten finals. Two teams each won the League One playoffs on two occasions. So two teams, they both won promotion to the championship via the playoffs on two occasions in that oh, time. Can you name them? There are two points mm. available. Can you repeat that? Sorry. So during the 2010s, two teams each won the League One playoffs on two occasions. Two teams, each one. If it's, should I go safe or should I chuck one out then? Uh, I think I think I definitely know one. Because I want to say one, but I don't know if they did it through the playoffs or if they just if they just went straight there. So they so they won promotion to the championship. Then they got relegated at some point. Then they came back up. That's how it works, obviously, because how else? It's another yo-yo club. Uh, I'd say Paul. I'd say Portsmouth. They they just stuck in League One, so I can rule them out straight away. Um, Okay, I will. uh, I will move on. Goodness won't be happy. (laughs) If if it's the team I'm not written down, I'm going to be absolutely furious. I'll be absolutely furious. Scored a hat trick for Swansea in their 4-2 championship playoff final win over Reading in 2011? I think it's between two. Play it potentially yeah, two. But you're, you're looking like you might be able to claw this back. I think you probably... I didn't, I didn't like, catch the first part of that again. Oh, lucky right. you can't. There's no replay. Okay, Sam, which player scored a hat-trick for Swansea 
in their 4-2 final win over Reading in 2011. Okay. Oh, yeah, no, it could be. Oh, no, it could be the other I think I've got this one. Uh-huh. I can't. I know. Oh. Like I said, it's between one or two players in my head. And if it's not, then it's just like... Okay, let's go through these answers. Eight points up for grabs in total today. Um, question number one. Who scored the only goal in the 2017-18 Championship playoff final between Fulham and Aston Villa. Harry, what's your answer? I am hoping it is Tom Kearney. Gone with Tom Kearney. Sam, what have you written down for this one? I also went Tom Kearney. Tom Kearney for Sam. And Devon? Tom Kearney. Kearney. And you're all off the mark. It was, of course, Tom Kearney. Lovely little finish on that day. Um, Question number two. Last year's League Two playoffs. Who were the winners and who did they beat in the final at Wembley? Devon, I'll start with you on this one. I think it were Tranmere Rovers 1, Exeter City 0. You've gone with Tranmere and Exeter. Okay. Um, Sam, what have you said for this answer? I only put MK Dons. You've got MK Dons. Okay. Um, and Harry, what sure. this one? no idea. So I just put Blackpool and Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury, okay. Um, Devon, you said Tranmere and Exeter for this one. You were correct with Tranmere. They didn't beat Exeter. They beat Newport County in the final. Uh-huh. So you get you still you get one point because there were two points available. You um, should have done that, Mister. Uh, Paddy, is it Ammond? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if Grace <Whatever>. here. <laughs> Question number three. Which two teams contested the first ever championship playoff final to be played at the new Wembley? Um, Sam, I'll start with you on this one. Complete guess. I said Ipswich versus Preston. Ipswich versus Preston. Okay, Harry. On to you. I put Swindon and Blackburn. I was too Swindon sure, so I went Swindon and Blackburn. And, Blackburn. and uh, Devon, what have you said? I think it's uh, Sheffield United nil, Burnley one. Weird Elliot Voller. Sheffield United nil. Know that. Because um, it's Sheffield United. Oh wait! Oh, oh, <laughs> that on, that no. game, oh. Devon, was I believe in two thousand eight. Was it or Is maybe it? maybe even the year after? It was actually this game was actually in two thousand and seven. No, you know way too much about your rivals, Devon. It was between Derby County and West Bromwich Albion. Yeah, no, I didn't know that. Um, Derby winning it one 0 on the day, so no points for that one. Um, it's the only, yeah, it's the only playoff final. Oh, because they beat us in the semis. Oh, I should have known that. I should have. I should have known that. Question four: During the twenty tens. Two teams oh, each won the League One playoffs on two occasions. Can you name them? Harry, I'll start with you on this one. I went Barnsley and Rotherham because I know they are. Okay. Yo, yo, was. Devon, on to you for this one. I was going to go for, for Barnsley, but I've gone for Rotherham and Millwall. Rotherham. I think I'll speak to I was them or Rotherham. And Please. Sam, your answers for this one? I said Rotherham. I said Sheffield United. Rotherham and Sheffield United. Um, 
Lost in three, I think. You all said Rotherham. Um, one of you got it correct with the second one, so you get two points. And it's Devon. This is clear. Yes. Round, the round for you, Devon. Millwall did it in 2010 and 2017, and Rotherham in 2014. I, I know it was Rotherham because my mate. Oh. To be fair, I would have, it was either Rotherham or Millwall for me, so I would have only got one either way. So I, I'm not too fussed. The Millwall one was fussed. tough because <laughs> their win was back in 2010. But yeah, that was the answer. Um, finally, question five. Um, which player scored a hat-trick for Swansea in their 4-2 playoff final win over Reading in 2011? Sam, what's your answer for this one? I said Scott Sinclair. Scott Sinclair, you went with. Harry, what have you said? I went with Wayne Routledge. Wayne Routledge, okay. And Devon? I went between Danny Graham and Scott Sinclair, and I've gone for Scott Sinclair. because You went with Scott Sinclair. He wasn't. He was on a madness that day, but I can't remember if he scored a hat trick. I can play. tell you that it was indeed Scott Sinclair. I completely forgot about that, lads. That's frustrating. Oh, good end to the quiz. Um, which means I have to say is is very tight at the top. Um, There's an, an impressive score, five out of eight today. That's very good. Uh, um, mm. So let me just tell Darn it. I, need, I predicted that Devon would surge back in this one. Um, blimey, it is tight. Very exciting. Um, Devon, you're now on 28 points. Oh, I've, I've really caught some grounding since first. Sam's on 29. And Harry's also Ooh. on 29. Oh! So it's, it's, it's a three-way tie. Oh, all nice. play for. Um, and that's after 12 rounds. So... As we know, we'll carry it on um, until the Premier League returns. Uh, we'll try something I different. Think, I think we've got to do like a 10-pointer for the last one. <laughs> Maybe we do. Um, as always, please send in if you played along with that one. Let us know how you got on. Um, it was maybe a, a varying round. It's a good test of your knowledge, playoff finals, because they're memorable days. Um, and I quite enjoyed making that one, I must admit. Um, that is all for this week's podcast. Um, we hope you've enjoyed watching or listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at the underscore formation or on Facebook. We're on Facebook too. We'll post all our content on there. Um, have we got anything else to add, guys? What we think uh, the weekend? No, it's, obviously it's going to be another exciting round of Bundesliga fixtures. I would suggest, and I'll put it in the description uh if you enjoyed our preview and analysis of Dortmund versus Bayern check out Sam Allen's Vavil Bundesliga piece uh he's done a warm down of the game uh, it's very good so check it out uh other than that from promoting our other things uh, check out the works of Guardian <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing wrong with a bit of promotion um yeah so follow us on all the socials. Do you reckon, Devon, we can put our Twitter links or something in the description or something like that? I don't know. Oh, Maybe we can. If, it's there, in there. If, if you're watching, yeah. then it might be in the comments. I don't know. Have a look. Um, but anyway, that's all from us, and we will see you next week. Ta-ra. Yeah. Bye. Bye.